invite you to remain standing in body or spirit as you are able as we share in our scripture lesson for today, which comes to us from the Gospel of Luke chapter 4, Jesus' first ever sermon. Let us receive these words together. When Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had gone, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Please sit down. My name is Kathleen McMurray. I'm one of the pastors on staff, um, and it is such a joy to be with you all today in this time of worship, um, a joy to be with you all, whether you're in person or whether you're worshiping with us online. We are so thankful for your presence. Today we are finishing up our sermon series on Share the Dream, uh, bringing unity uh, through six principles of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And even though this is a familiar story for many of us, um, I've studied this scripture before, um, God constantly has new things to teach us. And so I invite us as we prepare to receive God's word for us today to turn in an attitude of prayer. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There must be more to the gospel. That is what Lisa Sharon Harper found herself saying at the King Center in Atlanta as she was in her last stop in a four-week pilgrimage through 10 states, exploring some of the most brutal realities of U.S. history. The Cherokee Trail of Tears, the experiences of Africans on American soil from the antebellum South to the civil rights movement of the 1960s. As she stood looking at pictures of happy slaves, a lie that was printed on the Confederate money. And she found herself looking face to face with horrors that had happened to her ancestors in a land that claimed to be a land of freedom. In the heart of the Bible Belt, she found herself thinking that the good news of the gospel that she had grown up with didn't seem quite good enough. Lisa Sharon Harper grew up in an evangelical Baptist church. She was passionate about sharing the news that Jesus was a personal Lord and Savior and could redeem you and free you from sin. But it wasn't until this pilgrimage that she realized that that good news that she spread so passionately that good news of a personal Lord and Savior of Jesus Christ might not be 
enough. There has to be more to the gospel, she found herself thinking. The word gospel comes from the Greek word evangelion, which means literally good news or good message. And that is what Jesus came to proclaim, to live, to bring about good news. Here we find Jesus in his hometown of Nazareth preaching his first ever sermon in the Gospel of Luke. He's gathered in the synagogue and he is handed a scroll to read. They didn't have Bibles in those days printed like we do today. And so in the synagogues, in the holy places, there were handwritten scrolls of the various scripture readings. And people would learn scripture, learn the word of God by hearing and receiving these words each and every week in the time of worship. So Jesus is given the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And he unrolls it and he reads from it. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Isaiah's words that were written so many years even before Jesus were words of hope for a community of people that found themselves conquered. The Israelites had found themselves literally captured and conquered and dispersed by the Babylonians. These words of hope that Isaiah proclaimed, these words of freedom that he brought to them would have been very powerful for these people that found themselves beaten down. This vision of the year of the Lord's favor would have given them something to hold on to. Because this idea of the year of the Lord's favor, the year of Jubilee, as it is told in some scriptures in the Hebrew Bible, was a year when all debts would be released, where land would be returned to those who initially held it, where people would be freed from captivity, it was this return, this redemption to how things were supposed to be, how people were created to be, living and flourishing as those made, created in the image of God. Isaiah also includes a portion about punishment, but Jesus doesn't say that. He doesn't read that portion of the scripture. Instead, proclaiming that redemption, freedom, and liberation for those that the world has struck down and destroyed is coming to fruition in him. He himself has come to enact this passage, to make things right, to redeem creation to how it should be. And creation was made to be good to flourish. When human beings were created, scripture says they were made in the image of God. The word in Hebrew there for image is salem, the salem of God. It had to do with not only, you know, echoing that, echoing God. They were not only made, you know, in, in, an, in a way that echoed God, but in a way that was supposed to reflect God. 
They were supposed to reflect God back into the world. Human beings were created in this way and God called it very good. Tov ma'od. You may remember that in Genesis as God creates the heavens and the earth, every step in creating this flourishing world was done and God would call every step along the way very good. But we humans messed it up. We became captives of sin. And over the centuries, we have made captives of others physically with our sin. We sometimes become physical captives of our own sin. And so not all humans, though created in the Salem, the image of God, have been able to live into that image. Not all humans have been able to exercise dominion as we are given that gift in the book of Genesis. That is freedom, choice. Not all of us have been able to be the free people that reflect God's goodness and creativity and living in the world as God made us. And God yearns for something different. God yearns for us to be made whole again. And so Jesus came to do something about that. He boldly claims to fulfill the words of the prophet Isaiah, that the spirit is anointing him, sending him, compelling him to bring good news to every one of God's children who is bound up, pressed down, broken in spirit, impoverished, imprisoned, desperately hungry for good news. The word translated as poor in this passage is the Greek word patokai, which has to do, yes, with economics, but also has to do with factors that lowered one's status in the first century. Factors such as gender or genealogy, education, occupation, sickness, disability, religion. God's good news through Jesus Christ, Jesus' mission itself is directed to the poor, the patokai, in the holistic sense of those who for various reasons are relegated to the margins of society. Jesus refuses to recognize these socially determined boundaries that we humans have erected out of our sin insisting that these very outsiders are these special objects of God's favor, grace, and mercy. Now, does this mean that those of us who are not potokoi, who are not the poor, don't receive God's grace and mercy? Absolutely not. But Jesus needed to specify that these particular individuals are God's that these particular individuals receive the good news, the freedom, the salem of God, because the system of, of the world have said that they are not God. And when those who have been told that they are not made in God's image find that good news, when they discover it, when they are freed, then we all experience the freedom of God even more. Because in the words of the 19th century abolitionist Francis Ellen Watkins Harper, 
We are all bound up together in a bundle of humanity. And society cannot trample on the weakest and feeblest of its members without receiving the curse of its own soul. We've seen this profoundly. I've seen this profoundly as I've done reading during this Black History Month on some of the horrific atrocities that have befallen people whose skin does not look like me. Our sin of dehumanizing and enslaving and erasing experiences of people who were created in the Salem of God eats away at our souls. I believe we're still struggling as a people to redeem it. Because we, as God's people, who are created in God's goodness, we who are created in this tov ma'od, this very goodness of God, are created not good in and of ourselves, but that word tov ma'od, the goodness of creation that God made, was goodness that existed between things. We cannot fully experience the goodness of God if all do not experience that goodness. If all who are created in the Salem of God do not experience freedom to exercise that image of God that lies within them. Martin Luther King Jr., in his letter from the Birmingham jail, wrote, in a real sense, all life is interrelated. All men are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied in a single garment of destiny. What affects one directly affects all indirectly. I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. And you can never be what you ought to be until I am what I ought to be. This is the interrelated structure of reality, King says. We are created for right relationship. We are created for the goodness of God to flourish within all humans. But that's a really big picture. That's this really big dream that King has. The kingdom of God coming to earth in Jesus Christ is a big picture thing. How do we break it down? How do we find our place within that? As people who are sometimes seemingly insignificant in the works of the world, how do we find where we fit in to making this dream of God, this flourishing of God's people, this year of the Lord's favor a reality. After all, Jesus was anointed by the Spirit, but that's Jesus. How, how do we find our place? Well, the good news, friends, for all of us is that we too receive the Spirit's anointing. As part of our baptism, as those who are claimed as God's children, made in the image, the Salem of God, to reflect God's goodness in and among us and through us, all of us have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to have a part to play in bringing about 
that vision that Christ offers of a dream for a new world. And all of us have gifts that may manifest differently, that God can use to reflect God's goodness for the world. As we come to the end of our sermon series, as we begin to enter the season of Lent next week, a season of considering how we repent, how we grow closer to Christ in that season, I invite us to consider today how we are called to participate in this dream, to participate in that vision of the kingdom of God that Christ has for us. It's going to look a little bit different for all of us. Perhaps your kingdom anointed work is learning and sharing stories of those pitokoi that Jesus was talking about. Those who have been torn down or looked over or pushed aside, whose stories have struggled to be heard. Perhaps you are called to be a part of ministries or organizations that work towards freedom from hunger or homelessness or oppression. Perhaps you have a yearning to serve with people with disabilities or prison ministry or advocate for education or justice reform. All of us who are made in the image of God have the power to make a difference in bringing about God's dream for our world. Through baptism with the Holy Spirit, we are anointed for the kingdom of God to this work a freedom and liberation from that which breaks us and binds us. And so today, as we consider this, as we ask God to speak into our hearts and minds and lives how we are to serve in God's world, how we are to offer goodness to those around us, to be a part of God's goodness of creation, bringing flourishing, we're going to do something a little different. As we close today, we're going to have a shared litany, a shared commitment to being a part of this work of Jesus, being a part of this work of God. This litany comes to us from the United Methodist Social Principles. And so I invite you to join with me responsively as we share in this commitment to Christ and God's work in the world. God in the Spirit revealed in Jesus Christ calls us by grace. One in divine love for the world. Today is the day God cares for the integrity of creation, wills the healing and wholeness of all life, weeps at the plunder of earth's goodness, and so shall we. Today is the day God embraces all hues of humanity, delights in diversity and difference, favors solidarity, transforming strangers into friends. And so shall we. Today is the day God cries with the masses of starving people, despises growing disparity between rich and poor, demands justice for workers in the marketplace. And so shall we. Today is the day God deplores violence in our homes and streets, rebukes the world's warring madness, humbles the powerful, and lifts up the lowly. 
and so shall we. Today is the day God calls for nations and people to live in peace, celebrates where justice and mercy embrace, exalts when the wolf grazes with the lamb, and so shall we. Today is the day God brings good news to the poor, proclaims release to the captives, gives sight to the blind, and sets the oppressed free, and so shall we. Amen.